Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Philippians chapter two. And uh, would you go to verse three? Thank you, Daniel. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships, everybody say in your relationships. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. And here's his mindset, verse 6 who being the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. He made himself what? Nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. Every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything, everybody say everything. Do everything without grumbling and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I'll be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Woo! Father, thank you for what you've done. We could go home now. We've had church. You've touched people, healed people, encouraged people. You've released the word over us numerous times. We've prayed now as we open your word. We know that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain forever. So give us living understanding, move in great power in the hearts of the smallest, youngest child, to the oldest of us here. May each and every one of us be impacted by the truth of your word as it goes forth, sharper than any two-edged sword, able to divide between joint and marrow, between spirit. God, do it. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. I'd encourage you to take notes, but I have purposely not given you any we hope that you would take paper and pen and uh, go ahead and write these things down. Recently, uh, a number of weeks ago, I had somebody get up in my face and say that I was full of pride. 
I think they were over the top a little bit. And uh, some people get energized by correcting, you know, people like me, and that, that's fine. Um, you know, we dialogued a little bit. I said, I don't receive it. And uh, I said, but uh, thanks anyway. And so I walked off and, um, you know, began to talk with the Lord. And it's one thing if somebody corrects you and, you know, they're wrong. It's another thing when somebody corrects you and then the Lord agrees. So, <laughs> so I walked off and the Lord's like, yeah, you got to watch your pride. And it came a number of different ways. And I, I thought, wow, how, how lame. Humility. Everybody say humility. humility. Humility is a great virtue. Pride is a great sin. Who's the most humble person here? Would you raise your hand? <laughs> the Bible sees humility as a great virtue. And why humility is a virtue is because, because God is humble. In fact, it's how he defines himself. Jesus defined himself as meek and lowly of heart. Meekness is humility. Did you know that humility and meekness is a magnet for God's favor? Oh, it might be frowned upon by the social media folks and influencers with their avocado toast living their best life. And it was quite a shock back in the 70s and the early 70s to hear Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali, say, I am the greatest, because people just didn't say that back then. There was a, a greater sense of humility. You would never say, I am the greatest. Yet he did, he did. And maybe he was, but still, it was a shocker to those. How many of you remember that? Howard Cozell. God, the creator, is made all of heaven. He made you. He made me. And he defines himself, Jesus defined himself as, as humble. We're dependent on God, and um, it's, quite a, it's quite a thing to realize that if he was to take his hand off you, you would drop dead. So, <laughs> I remember I, I was an a, uh, instructor, a trainer, and a salesperson at a Gold's Gym in Port Jefferson, Long Island, many years ago. And there was, it was one of those gyms where you had a, quite a few professional bodybuilders. Has anybody ever seen a professional bodybuilder? They're massive. I mean huge. They're not average big. They're, they're, they're gigantic. And so there was a fight that broke out because this one guy was flexing his delts or whatever he was flexing, I don't know. And someone walked in front of his mirror. And so there were the guys. And somebody walked in front and blocked the view. And, and the guy just, I don't know, I think he had like a roid attack. And got really aggressive and we were able to break it up. And I just thought, man, I, I was, the Lord was starting to touch my heart back then. And I, I just had this glimpse of what that would be like for God to look down on like a gold's gym and see somebody flexing. And I, I imagine it like this. There's Michael. He's a, he notices it first. 
obey God. Yes, Michael. <laughs> Look at that. What? That little guy down there. And I just imagine them laughing and then maybe grieving for the pride. God made you. He made me. And by the fact that he made you, he made me, and he keeps our hearts beating within our chest. That ought to cause us to have a little bit of humility and gratitude. Come on, somebody say, oh God, help me to be humble. And God humbles himself. He became a man, and we read that right in the text. Psalm 138, verse 6. We're going to look at a lot of scripture here. Though the, Lord is, though the Lord is exalted, Psalm 138, verse 6, though the Lord is exalted, he looks kindly on the lowly. Though lofty, he sees them from afar. There's this principle in God that if you'll walk humbly before him, he will take notice of you and he will elevate you and he will bless you. But if you're prideful, well, that comes before a fall. And humility is not a, not a virtue that's, that's really celebrated in the United States of America. Americans are not known for being the most humble people. I traveled overseas and I've had people say, oh, you're an American. I'm like, how did you know? <laughs> There's just something about them that, that's maybe not so great. Humility is a virtue that God sees and actually is, he's drawn to it. He's drawn to humility. And that is completely contrary to the world. It's completely contrary to our own nature of wanting our own way and demanding things. And that is not the way that Jesus came and served. And it's not the way that we should be. It says in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are the meek, or blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Wow. Turn to Proverbs 15. Come on, we're going to look at some scripture. We're going to help you. How come? Because you have a pride problem. Apparently I do too, so this is going to help us. I, I prepared this, worked on it, waited a little bit to preach it to you. I didn't want to preach it right after I got rebuked. I just wanted to make sure, you know, just settle up a little bit. You know, humility releases the kingdom of God. Let me say it that way. Humility releases the kingdom of God. I was talking with Dr. Morocco while you're turning to Proverbs 33 years ago. And, um, and then, I've, you know, I've been pastoring for quite a while now. And uh, there's something about missionaries that I really like. They're broken. I don't know if you've ever seen someone who served in far-flung corners of the world as a missionary and laid their life down for a people. I don't mean for a year or two. I mean, that, that's great, and we celebrate that, but there's something about people who live broken and poured out lives for people who don't know God with all their heart. There, there's, some, there's this quality about, the quality about heaven about them. There's something about them. Sometimes evangelists can not walk with that kind of humility I want to walk in greater humility. How about you? Proverbs 15, 33, wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before 
honor. Humility comes before what? Honor. Humility always precedes elevation in the kingdom. Pride does not bring you to elevation in the kingdom. Pride brings you to elevation in the world sometimes. It never brings elevation in the kingdom. Only humility does. Our flesh hates it. I think I said earlier this morning that I, I just was on the dirt-eating crew all week. I think I had to repent like 15 times. Hurt people, said the wrong thing misinterpreted things, got in the flesh. I know none of you did any of that. But I, but I, I, ran, the, I ran the gauntlet. Don't feel, don't, don't feel bad for me. I'm good. I've repented, so I feel energized. I feel empowered. Come on, God's washed me, cleansed me. I'm not talking about willful sin and willful arrogance, but there's times when we can just maybe get ahead of God or get in the flesh a little bit, and it's not good. You say, well, how do you change that? You, you, you listen to messages like this and you eat the word on humility and then you examine your life of whether you're actually walking in humility. Now, boldness can be misinterpreted as pride. And I have had that happen many times. Many times, a boldness and a zeal has been misinterpreted as pride. I've been pulled aside from the time I first got saved. It was in my 20s, leading people to Jesus left and right. And I had people say, well, you're just so full of yourself. Oh, really? I was full of heaven and on fire. And then I've been times where I was full of myself. And then other times I was full of other things. But humility brings elevation. Everybody say humility brings elevation. Proverbs 22. Turn there. Proverbs 22. You see, if you have a problem, what you want to do is you want to get the Word of God for the problem, and then you begin to apply it to your life. So if you have a pride problem, which all of us struggle with pride, whether you realize it or not, every single person here, you're going to have to battle against pride. It comes out in different ways. You need, you need to walk humbly before the Lord. Oh, God, help us. He's like, I'll help you. Wait. Wait, let me try to change. You know, God has no problem humbling you. I remember Dr. Morocco, Proverbs 22. Dr. Morocco was listening to somebody years ago, and the, the guy had a hard time preaching. He misquoted. He, he mixed scrambled scripture. There wasn't much anointing. And he's thinking to himself while he's watching this guy. He's like, oh, my gosh, Jesus, help us. Oh, God, this guy needs some help, Lord. Oh, and he looks over and his friend's taking notes feverishly on this message that was like, what? And he looked at his friend taking notes. He's like, whatever. Well, he got to preach the next week. And when he got in the pulpit, the Lord took his hand off him and said, oh, really? Let's see how you do it without me. He couldn't preach. He was embarrassed. He mixed, he had a word salad, mixed his words. <laughs> And he was humbled, and he just said, Lord, oh God, forgive me for criticizing your servant. And he learned never to do that again. Humility, verse 4 of chapter 22, the Proverbs. Humility is to fear the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Listen to that. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages, the wages of humility in the kingdom are riches, honor, and life. So literally, you can say the opposite. Make sure when you're reading Scripture that the converse, you understand the converse of that. The flip of that is also true. Honor your father and mother, long life. Dishonor mom and dad, shorten your lifespan. Right? So the opposite is what? Humility is the fear of the Lord. So pride, the wages of pride, the wages of humility is riches, honor, and life. The wages of pride, death, 
poverty, dishonor, brokenness. I mean, understand that humility, God, God is trying to help you walk with humility. You're like, I wish I didn't come to church. And I know you need this. I'm going to try to put some sugar on the epicac and help you out. <laughs> Giving you some spiritual epicac right now. How many of you know what epicac is? It's open wide. Go, ah, just some cod liver oil. Come on. The cod liver oil help you out. I'm busy. Turn to Matthew chapter 11. While you're turning there, I'll read Isaiah 57. Oh, no, this is too good. Go to Isaiah 57. Isaiah. If you're from South Africa, Isaiah 57, verse 15. For this is what the high and exalted one says, he who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, listen closely, but also with the one who is contrite and lowly in spirit to receive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. I will tell you that going low is always the right thing to do. Going low, humbling yourself. You say, what if they're wrong? Okay, what if they're wrong? You know, I, I, I don't know, it was many years ago I had this happen. Somebody corrected me. I think people like correcting me. I don't know. And I just feel like I get, it's probably pride too. I feel like I get corrected more than pe most people. That, 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 that's probably pride also. So I was getting corrected, and, I, I, and, and somebody's corrected me, and I just I didn't see at all what they were saying, and I, and, and, and I think they were wrong. So I said what I usually say, thank you for sharing, and I don't receive that, but I'll pray about it. You know, that's a good thing to say, as opposed to, oh, yeah, I saw you, and who do you think you are? Come on, just stop. So I said, well, I'll pray about that. And um, so I walked off, and I'm like, yeah, they're wrong, you know. And the Lord's like, are you willing to stand before my throne on the day of judgment with that? Uh, no. No. Lord, I repent for, I, I don't see it, but I repent anyway. You know, that's a good thing to repent. Are you so sure, are you so right that you're willing to stand on the day of judgment for that thing that you say that you're so right about? I would highly advise you just go low. Everybody say go low. God takes up residence. This is what this scripture means. God takes up residence with the one who's humble. I don't think you caught that. He who lives forever, whose name is holy. I live in a high and holy place, Isaiah 57, 15. But also with the one who's contrite. In other words, I live in a high and holy place, but I make habitation with the one who's lowly, who's humble. That's, that's impressive. That's amazing. Humility is a magnet for favor. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. This is, this is God. This is the Lord Jesus, God, defining himself as gentle and meek and lowly of heart. 
You never hear any other, any other religion talk about that. God's, God's humble? What? So let's look at the text. The Apostle Paul here is concerned about the church's mindset. And, and I'm concerned about our mindset. You are? Yes, I am. It was probably six months ago, we were here in the front, Dr. Morocco was here, and the place was just fire and electric, and worship was like amazing, not unlike tonight. There was this sense of incredible purpose and destiny and anointing, and it was just amazing. And I was so encouraged. Every, every team in the church was hitting on all cylinders, and dad was here. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we're not trying to prove something to him. We're just trying to do our best for Jesus. There was a while back when I would try to prove something so I could get it out of boy. It's very empty, but I'm thankful for the acceptance and the love of a spiritual father. But if you're trying to get acceptance and love from a spiritual father, it's never going to really fill the hole that's inside your heart. Only Jesus can do that. The acceptance and love of the heavenly father that's made through the death of his son so that you could receive forgiveness of sin and walk in, in humility and the blessing of God. That, that's what really makes you whole. But as we're standing there, he, I don't know, he must have been touched too. And he said, looks over at me, said, Pastor Daniel. I said, yeah. It was a little, you know those little conversations that people have up front sometimes? You're like, I wonder what they're saying. Well, this was one of those conversations. And he said, don't you get prideful or I'll come back here and I'll fix it. I thought, I won't. I won't. I don't know why he said that. Maybe he felt like, I don't know. I guess I was getting rebuked again. The Apostle Paul is concerned about the mindset of the church. And he's correcting them. He's correcting the church of Philippi. And he's correcting their attitude. It really is quite amazing. God's concerned about your mindset. He's concerned about your attitude. Why? Because he wants to promote you and elevate you. But if you're filled with pride and you don't walk as Jesus did, if you don't have the same mindset, you won't get the promotion that he has for you. And as a church, don't you get all fat and sassy about the new building. Nobody can take credit for that but God. I've had many people say, oh, I've seen when churches do that, and you pastors, pastors, you're one of the big mega churches and stuff. They always backslide. Well, I'm not going to. I made a declaration. I set my life up. I'm not going to. I'm going to stay low. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to stay low. I'm going to stay low. And, and, and who can take credit for that? Not me. My gosh, I can't hardly tie my shoes. It's a miracle. Come on, let's have a praise break all across this place. You take credit for that. Herod, I think there might be a special place in hell for you if you did. All of us are prone to have a bad attitude at times. All of us. Everyone is prone to have a bad attitude. You need to have an attitude of gratitude. We're all prone to say things that are rude and selfish. And I, I'm really good at that at times. If I've been rude or selfish uh, towards you, forgive me, please. Some of those things are rooted in the world. Some of us still, you still got a worldly mindset. Some of you, those things are rooted in your flesh. I've seen people, even recently this has been highlighted, they're, they're uncomfortable with what's happening or they feel insecure in the moment and then they lash out and make these rude statements towards people so they could just sort of feel energized or feel like, you know, they're bigger or better than. That, that's, that's not Christianity. That's your flesh. 
We all have a tendency to act with pride and arrogance, and we need to be careful. So it's a little check, a little checkup from the neck up. Verse 2, we didn't read that, but I'm going to read it here. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded. This is Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. By being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, one mind. Let nothing be done. Verse 3, we started there. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition. Let nothing be done? Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. I remember, I remember when the Lord took the starch out of me. That's an old expression. How many of you know what that means? Have you ever seen a starch shirt? It's stiff. I remember the Lord took the starch out of me a number of years ago. And uh, I had, uh, I had recently purchased my first house. Actually, I didn't even purchase it. It was a miracle. I got my, I'm still in it. And I remember being so elated and celebrating and walking around going, man, I finally got my first house. I finally got my first house. And the Lord was dealing with me. And those words began to echo in my heart. And just some different things that I was saying that I had said over the years as a pastor. I've said this. I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. It's just the flesh. And it was my own personal pride. I said, if I have to pastor a church of 100 to 150 people, I'm going to quit and sell real estate. Not that selling real estate's wrong. I'm just saying, I'm not going to pastor. If I've got to pastor a church of 150, I'm going to do something else. Because obviously God's not anointed me because I'm not going to pastor a church of 100. That is the most prideful, arrogant, stupid thing I've ever heard. But I was stupid, prideful, and arrogant. No, I'm just saying I was. I didn't know it. And I would just say those things to the Lord. Like, seriously, are, are we not going to grow? Because, like, maybe I should do something else. And we weren't really growing. And I remember waking up at 4 in the morning. I will never forget it. Waking up at 4 in the morning, and the Lord says to me, so you finally got your house. Like, yeah. So you finally got your house. I'm like, I think so. <laughs> he says again, you finally got your house. And he spoke to me and said, do you think I could have given your house so sooner to you? Yeah. So do you think my timing's wrong? No. So you only pastor 150, only pastor 100, 150 people. So is, it, is, that, you know, is that okay? In the, in the words of D.L. Moody, who was asked, how can, you, how can you build a church of thousands of people? He was asked of that, and he says to the pastor who asked him, how many people do you have in your church? He said, 100. He said, that's good enough to stand before the day of judgment with 100 people. And the Lord just took me apart. Took me apart. And he showed me that I had ambition. I had, I had an overlay of ambition, on, on a mindset of ambition on ministry. And he showed me a plumb line, and he said, you need to, you need to walk humbly before me. And you need to be, you work hard, you be diligent, you do your best, you pray. Duty belongs to you, results belong to me. Don't you worry about it. It was then that we really begin to grow. It was another wonderful time of repentance. But we can get into pride. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ. And then he begins, Paul, in the, back in our, our text, begins to define this mindset of Christ, which is really amazing. I mean, it's really amazing. Humility. The humiliation, really, verse 6 and 7. Who being the very form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but make him, made himself nothing. 
No reputation. I guess being a human's a nothing. No reputation. He made himself, he became a human. He humbled himself. Wow. Verse 8, and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. He obediently went to the cross. That's amazing. And then he's exalted, therefore, verse 9, look at verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name above every other name. Humility will promote you. Pride will demote you. Humility will bring you exaltation. Pride will level you, destroy you. Humility, God comes and finds habitation with you. God releases favor on the humble and the contrite. A prideful heart will come before you fall. And God, God is repelled by pride. Oh God, show us if we have any pride on the inside of us. Come on, say, Lord, help me. Teach your children this. He's exalted to the highest place. He's given a name above every other name. And we're all to submit to him. And I'd encourage you to do it voluntarily, worship team, please. Uh, I'm sorry, just on the keys, James is good for now, please. What do you mean voluntarily? Oh, you're going to bow the knee. He said, I'm not an atheist. You're still going to bow the knee. You won't be an atheist then. Every single person is going to bow the knee. And I would encourage you, to do it now <laughs> before you're forced. Voluntarily submitting to God. You and I are locked in time. You and I are locked in time. And when you die, time is no more. And you will pass out of time into what's called eternity. God is outside of time. You and I are in time. And the decision, listen closely, the decision that you make in time when you pass out of time is fixed. Let me say that again. All of the children, every boy and girl, every single person listening to me, the decision you make in time for God or against Him, the decision you make to bow the knee before Him in time as you pass out of time, when is that? No man knows. We're given one life to live and after that, the judgment. You see, this could be your last service. I pray it isn't, but it could be. So you wanna make sure you get this right, right now. Decisions made in time, receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you pass out of time, when you die, is fixed. Yeah, but can I repent after? No, no, that's it. And once you cross over into eternity, the decision that you made for or against Christ will stay. That decision has to be more than just the parroting of some prayer that some preacher led you in. It has to be from your heart, a real brokenness before God, a real, a real humility before Him. If you can see, if you can see past the veil, if you can see that which crucified Christ. And you can see your sin that, that caused the hammer to hit the nails. No, 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 not somebody else's sin. Your sin. So I don't want to see that. Well, maybe you should take a look. Because it's those things when we realize, we realize it's our sin that crucified Him. 
But it's not just my sin, Pastor. It's every, yes, that's true. But you have to have an awareness of it's your, your personal responsibility for your role in crucifying the Lord of glory. And when that happens, something, I'll never forget watching that movie. What was that movie? Uh, Passion of the Christ. I think I was in Kauai at the time. Somebody said, oh, you need to go see this movie. It's really awesome. I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I heard about it. We quick, we stood in line. We waited in a long line, got into the movie, got into this movie. By the time the end, my wife and I were so smashed. We were weeping and crying. And some of those, some of those, um, some of those movie halls, there were people getting up and leading people to Christ. And I'd heard about that. And I thought, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. I'm just going to do that. I'm going to preach Jesus and everybody's going to get saved. I was so wrecked by the fact that it was my sin that crucified him. And I watched it on a screen and I could not, my wife and I could not get a hold of ourselves. We just came face to face with our sin. I remember walking out. I, could, I mean, we were weeping. I remember walking out, other people weeping all over. And as I entered into the lobby of the, of the movie theater, I saw somebody for the church. And they said, Pastor, Pastor. And I looked at him. They said, did you like the movie? I said, I don't know. And they said, oh, are you okay? I said, no. They said, I'm just going in. I said, well, I'll be praying for you. I said, okay. He said, I don't like seeing movies like that. I like, listen, he, he was marred. His visage, talking about his countenance, was so marred. Whatever you saw in the movie doesn't even come close. The, the cat of nine tails that ripped the flesh off of his back opened up his entire back. All of his organs, they say, were exposed. And, and, and it says in the Psalms that the bulls of Bashan surrounded him. The bulls of Bashan. How many of you ever seen a bull that's like, crazy. Bulls of Bashan are the most wild, insane, and wild animals. And they gore anything they can. Bulls of Bashan surrounded the Messiah, as it says in the Psalms. It's a picture of those Roman soldiers. Those Roman soldiers weren't average soldiers just doing their job. They were demonized men filled with demon rage to whip the Son of God, to pull the flesh off of his back. So our pride, yeah, our pride matters. Our pride matters because it's that which crucified him. And, and you need to take stock in your life to, to see whether, whether, you're, whether you have pride. And, and you do, I'm telling you. You know, pride's like bad breath. You're usually the last one to find out that you have it. Um, you need a mint, you need a mint. Yeah, we all need a mint. Oh, God. Oh, God, let the mindset of Jesus be in me and you. Let the mindset of Jesus be in the church. Let us walk in humility. Humility allows the power of God to flow through you. If the power of God flows through you and you're not walking in humility, it will destroy you. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do 
for his good pleasure. That is one of my wife's favorite scriptures. When you walk humbly before the Lord, it'll release God's power to work on your behalf, to change you, to change your circumstances, to lead you. He causes us to will and to act. Think about that. So if you have a desire to do something, if you're walking broken before him, you have a desire to do something, he put that there. Then you begin to move in that direction. That's actually from the Lord. He begins to lead you. Then he sets up circumstances. He causes you to will and act according to his good purpose. He then begins to bring about and unfold the very thing that he placed in your heart. If you walk in humility, if you walk in pride, you don't get that promise, you get the fall. Pretty intense message on a Sunday night at 7.30. Are you guys getting something? Come on, someone say hallelujah. I don't want to be prideful, no. I want to walk in humility. There's a pseudo-humility. How many of you know what that is? How many of you know what pseudo-intellectual is? is somebody who acts like they're an intellectual, but they're pseudo, they're a fake intellectual. They're pseudo-humility. Where really they're filled with pride, but then they act like they're humble. Colossians 2. People who are pride, pride, you mean proudful or prideful of your humility. Think about that. Colossians 2 and 18, let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and the worship of angels. This is going to sting, so just, just hold on. Here comes some more epicac. Are you ready? Here comes the cod liver oil of the Holy Ghost. Let no one cheat you of your reward or take delight in false humility. The worship of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainfully puffed up by his fleshly mind. Verse 19, Colossians 2 and 19. And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body is nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments which grows with the increase that's from God. Don't get lost in the whole world. Please hear me. Don't get lost in the whole world of sharing your every vision and the angels and all the stuff. Do not get suckered into that. If you had a visitation of angels, I think it's great. I really don't think you should put it on Facebook. I got strong opinions about that. And I wonder about people who say they have an angelic encounter but act like the devil. I really wonder about that. You know, when you really, if you have an encounter with an angel and, 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 and that happens, that, that's normal Christianity. Don't ever seek an angelic encounter. Seek the one who sends the angels. Seek Jesus. Seek God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he adds all things. And many times he'll send an angel. I've had encounters. I don't talk much about them. They've marked me. They've changed me. I really can't talk much about it. I shouldn't talk much about it. I'm not allowed to talk much about it. And maybe you've had some bigger one, but whatever. It's not the angel visitation race. Oh, no, my angel was bigger. How big? Eight feet. Oh, mine was ten. It was ten. Really, mine was like playing this hard. Mine had a sword. Really big one. Big sword. Big. Ten feet. Big. And there was a sash. Mine, too. Two sashes. Gold waistband. His eyes were like fire. 
No kidding. Actually, I don't think mine was an angel of the Lord. It was Jesus himself. Oh. Oh. In fact, he's calling me. I've got to go. I, I've seen that. And I can't serve one day. Many people like that, they can't, they can't pass out a napkin in children's church. What kind of angelic touch was that? Well, you can't pass out a napkin. Is it your napkin passing out? Skills are gone now that the angel has come? You know, when you really get touched by God, you become a servant. You'll walk humbly. You'll serve. You'll sacrifice. You'll lay your life down. That's the mindset we need to have. We need to see who's the greatest, the greatest servant among us. The greatest among us is the servant of all. Pardon me. I'm serving better than it. No, that's pride. Stop it. Pat yourself on the back so hard you broke your arm. Share things so people have an idea that you're a spiritual giant. You're a spiritual midget. Stop it. Nothing against small people. Amen. Serve. I think I shared this before. Do you have anybody? We get some folks from Teen Challenge. I think they're here. But I learned this at Teen Challenge, and I wasn't a counselor. Before I got kicked out, I learned this. Oh, yeah, got the boot. Jesus is the humble, reverent, grateful servant. Want to know what your attitude should be? Humble, reverent, grateful servant. That's what this is right out of the book of, I think I've taught that to you years ago. Humble, reverent, grateful. What kind of attitude should I have? You should have a humble attitude. You should have a reverent attitude. Humble, reverent, grateful. You should be grateful. Be grateful. Quit bellyaching. There's people that are in far worse. Oh, guys, it's so exciting. Stop and vote. Amen. Turn your life around. You, you live for God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. Come on. Humble, reverent, grateful. Servant. Be a servant. Help people. Serve. Hold the door for ladies. Won't you do it? Serve. Be, be a part. Help. We, we ought to have so many teams. If you can get a hold of this, we'd have, we'd have team A, team B, team C, and team D. And then we'd have an alternate for the fifth week of months. A, B, C, D, E, E. And so if you're on the B team, you can't serve in the first week with the A team because they, they need a chance to serve. Listen, there are churches in the world that this is the case. That there's literally five huge teams. It takes a hundred people to run our children's ministry on a Sunday morning. A hundred, is that right? Approximately. Where do they come from? From you all. They should have so many servants that there's five different, A team A, team B, team C, team D, and team E for the fifth week. But I'd be happy with just four. I'd be happy with team A, B, C, and D. And that the first week would be the A team and they would do and serve and do all the things that need to take place in the service of the church throughout that whole week. Then the second week of the month, you'd have team B. Oh, sorry, team A, worship team, can't worship that week because we got to give people a chance to serve. There's too many people, not enough opportunities. So team B then, and I don't mean team B as in sub, 
subpar to team A. I mean, there's a whole nother worship team, a whole nother group of ushers and greeters and experience team and connect people and, 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 and children's workers and oh my gosh, and security. So you have, you have the team A, then you have team B, then you have team C. That's what we need in this new building. Did you know that? Did you don't know that? Where are you serving? Where are you? Listen, if you don't serve, it could be, it could be. It's not always the case, but it could be that you have a pride problem. And if you don't learn to serve in the house, then your discipleship will be greatly hindered. So you can learn the word like you're learning, like you did this morning, like you're learning tonight and maybe in a life group. Then you need to apply that. You need to put that thing in gear to transition the power that you've learned in your spirit and your mind to action, to doing something with what you've learned. Humble, reverent, grateful, servant. You know what spiritual giants are? Spiritual giants are people that serve and they walk in humility. That's a spiritual giant. Now I've people, I've seen people serve and be like, looky, 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 sugar cookie, I'm a servant. I'm not talking about that. Oh, Romans 12. I'm almost done. For I say through the grace of God given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly as he ought to think, but to think soberly. To think what? Soberly as God has dealt each one a measure of faith. Just remember what God has given you. And everything you have is a gift from God. I want you to say that. Everything I have is a gift from God. Say it again. Everything I have is a gift from God. Say it again. Everything I have is a gift from God. So when you realize that, it's easy to give it. When you realize that, then you realize that I've been given time. I can give time. I can serve. I can help. I can, I can do something. Everything you have is a gift. And God can take it from you in a second. Some of you are bellyaching and murmuring and complaining. Stop it. Be the humble, reverent, grateful servant. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? He's writing to the church in Corinth and saying, man, everything you have is a gift. <laughs> everything, everything, everything is a gift. And I think we forget that. We think like, I'm here. <laughs> First Corinthians one and twenty eight. And the base things of the world, I'm I'm closing. And the base things of the world. Let's have the whole worship team. Let's have, let the entire worship team, Daniel, switch with the keys. Let's get back to where we're at when we, first of all, we're going to close. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. Hey. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Everybody say that. That no flesh should glory in it. I, I can't hear you. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30. But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us the wisdom of God, the righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31. 
that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. Romans 12 and 10, be devoted one to another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Wow. Honor one another above yourself. And that was in our text as well. Be willing to associate with people of low position, Romans 12, 16. Live in harmony one with another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. You know, you'd be surprised. People that seem like they're low position just might be an angel. Hebrews talks about that. Just might be an angel. And you'd be surprised if people might seem lowly or actually those who are maybe not so low by the standards of the world. Don't be afraid to, to be kind. Be kind. I will never forget I was in, I was in Rome with Dr. Morocco. And he wanted a bottle of water, so we went down the street to go get a bottle of water. And we get some water, and we're coming back to the hotel. We're tired. It was, it was the end of our Israel trip numerous years ago, a number of years ago, 2016, 15, something like that. And we're stopped by this guy who uh, is um, just a little seedy looking. You know what I'm talking about? It's just someone just didn't, I discerned that he didn't have our best interests in mind. So I'm walking with Dr. Morocco and I'm thinking, don't even flinch, dude, because I'll work you so bad. I'm just thinking I'm security now and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to protect my pastor. Like he needs it. He's 10 times the size of me and 10 times as strong. And carry, I mean, the, the guy would have been disemboweled the second he tried to think about doing something towards our pastor. An angel would have come and just taken care of it before he ever did anything. But I was feeling protective. And plus, I didn't think Dr. Morocco was very streetwise. I probably forgot the fact that he was born in Calcutta and had to step over potential dead bodies and lived in one of the poorest places on the earth. That's where he was born, Calcutta, India. And I think since I was from New York, I was just going to like be helping, you know what I mean? So this guy comes and I got all my hair on the back of my neck up and I'm, I'm just like, I've got the position. You know what I'm talking about? I was ready. And he's trying to sell Dr. Morocco something and Dr. Morocco spends time. I'm like, doctor, don't talk to the doctor. And so doctor's talking and he's doing this, like he starts buying some of the guy's stuff. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm just like, oh God. And the guy pulls out this, this, um, it was like a demon amulet. I don't know how to call it. It was clearly this demonic piece. He brings it out. I'm like, what are you going to do now, doc? He says, you need to have this. He says, no, no, not that one. I won't have that one. He says, no, you need to have it. He says, no, not that one. He says, no, you need to have it. I want to give it to you. He says, no, not that one. That's against my religion, that one. And the guy says, oh. He says, yeah, no. And the guy's like, okay. He says, let me pray for you. Talked to him about Jesus and he prayed for him and we walked off. And we're walking off. I said, well, that was an interesting interaction, doctor. He says, yeah. I said, you know, why'd you talk to that guy? I, you know, I, I don't have an inner city. I've got a lot of inner city experience. Like, I just wouldn't have, I would have walked right through him. He says, Daniel, you need to be kind. You need to be gracious to people. You need to be humble. I thought, okay. <laughs> would you be kind? Would you be kind to people? When you see that person that smells, the one that wears pajamas for seven weeks straight in Walmart, you know, 
and see somebody who's, I saw some guy walking across, walking down the street today that was super demonized, clearly demonized. I thought about stopping for a moment. I was with my wife and I thought that's probably not the wisest thing. Who's going to reach to these broken people? You used to be broken. What are you looking at me like that for? I, I used to be broken. I'm not broken anymore. We need to be kind. We need to reach out to people. We need to help people. Come on, someone say yes. And that requires humility. I'm almost done. First Peter 5. I'm not sure I got this text right. Let me look. First Peter, y'all there? I'm almost done. Yep, First Peter five. Yeah, I got it. Awesome. First Peter five, verse five. First Peter chapter five, verse five. Gosh, this whole thing is good, really. I'm so sorry. Let's take it from verse 1 to the elders among you. I appear to you as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings, who also will share in the glory to be revealed. Verse 2, be shepherds of God's flock under your care. Watch this. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing, as God wants you to be. Not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. There it is again. Not lording it over those entrusted to you but being examples to the flock. Wow. And verse four, and when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility. With what? With humility towards one another because God opposes, opposes the proud but shows favor Wow, shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. The enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Oh, what a powerful passage. Cast all your anxiety. Walk in humility. I, th I think you got it. Did you get it? The humble, reverent, grateful servant. Have the attitudes of Christ. Let's do that. Let's serve. Let, let, let's serve. Let's acknowledge that God is the author and the perfecter. Let, let, let's, let's serve one another rather fear and holy fear and reverence. Let's not be a people that are pride, demanding our own way. Come on, the way you treat the, the, your secretary or the way you treat your employer or the way that you treat that, that waitress who brought the wrong food and you just snap their neck the next time they come through because, my God, I'm out of, oh, my God, I'm not giving them a tip. Give me a break. Did you have a bad day? I've had quite a few myself. Come on, hum, hum, walk humbly before the Lord. Love people, serve people. Come on, be, be that which a person that has the mindset of Christ. Can you say amen? Come on. When they see him, they say, that's got to be somebody from Kings because they're humble. They're bold, but they're, they're humble. Stand up on your feet all across this place.
God, we pray that you would expose any pride in our lives, that we would tear it down now. We repent of wrong thoughts, attitudes, or motives that are contrary or that which is grieving you. Lord, we cast all our anxiety on you because you care for us. God, I thank you that you meet our needs and you'll help us and strengthen us. I thank you. We're gonna continue to move forward without complaining and arguing. Oh my, that's a whole message, verse 14. God, that we would move forward without complaining or we'd honor one another, that we would be humble, reverent, grateful servants. Say that with me. I would be a humble, reverent, grateful servant. Oh God, help me to be a humble, reverent. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're not right with God. You want to give your heart to Jesus for the first time or you want to make a recommitment to him all across this place. If that's you, want to give your heart to Christ first time or make a recommitment to him all across this place. Every person praying, intercessors praying, those online, you say, that's me, pastor, on the count of three. If you're sincere and serious, won't you raise your hand if you want to be included in this prayer on the count of three. Give your heart to Jesus first time or recommit one, two, three. Do it right now. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. God bless you, sweetheart. God bless you, young man. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, pray this with me right out loud. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in my place, to rise again from the grave for me. Forgive me of all of my sin and come into my life. Be my Lord. Wash me, cleanse me, make me new. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.